Good morning, good to see you all. Um, so if you could turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Mark, we're going through the Mark series, we're continuing. So if you want to turn to Mark 2, verse 13, it's page 987 in my Bible, but that's not going to help you very much. Um, but while, while you find that, um, who, who was woken up by the storm last night? I was, <laughs> I was absolutely petrified that my house was going to fall down. I had my window open, so it was really loud. Um, I also wasn't sleeping anyway, but I was thinking of the bakers in their tent <laughs> while the storm was there. But I was thinking about the storm, and there's something about summer and springtime when the, kind of, the air gets a bit humid and something's brewing and you can tell that a storm is coming and then the storm arrives and something shifts and it changes. Um, and, and that's what I believe we're seeing happen as we continue in the Mark series today, as we, as we follow Jesus through the eyes of Mark. We see something shift and change. So we've, we've heard that Jesus um, started his ministry. We saw that he got baptised um, and then he went into the wilderness and we saw the calling of the disciples and then we've begun to see um, him outworking the kingdom um, in front of our very eyes. But there's a shift that happens in the passages that we're going to be looking at today. Um, A a shift from Jesus modeling it to Jesus inviting us in to partner with him in it. And and there's three things that I think we see Jesus model to us that we're going to look at this morning. So the first is that he welcomed people in. The second is that he changed the currency. Um, And the third is that he poured new wine. So let's have a look at the passage and then we'll, we'll get into those three things. So Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went outside beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him as his disciples and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. But some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. So, the first thing Jesus did was that he welcomed in. So Jesus was hanging out with the sinners. So we meet this guy, Levi, um, who we know is a tax collector. And in those days, a tax, tax collector was basically the lowest of the low. They were unclean. No one wanted to hang out with them. Um, they, were, they were seen as sinners. And because basically what they would do is they would stand at their tax collector booth and they would have um, like a, a set fee that they need to charge by the Roman officials that they would have to charge. But then they would make a living by charging whatever they wanted on top of that. And there would be um, no parity to it. They would basically just go, I don't like the look of you, so I'm going to charge you double. I don't like the look of you, so I'm going to charge you three times as much. So they were, they were really unpopular. No one wanted to be with them at all. 
It was a bit like um, a, a modern-day PPI collector. Who remembers our friends over the road before we had the lovely people at NCP who look after us really well? The previous guys, um, we, we might not have wanted to hang out with them after they'd put parking tickets on our cars. If you're here, we, you are welcome. We do like you. <laughs> but, um, but no, it, you know, it's that kind of thing. Those people that, that annoy us, that get on our nerves. But even worse than that, it was kind of in those days, it was like you don't even associate with them. You're, just not, you're not interested in, in being around with them. But the, the key thing, the, the, the thing that we notice here is that it wasn't just Jesus inviting Levi to be with him. Jesus actually said to Levi, no, I'm going to come to your house. You're worthy enough to host me. I can come to you. I can be in your presence. We can do it together, it says in verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. And he was outworking a bold, a bold statement here that we, we see for one of the first times, which is the, basically that the least shall be the first. So we see later in Mark uh, 10:31, Jesus articulate this in a, in a famous uh, quote of his by saying, many who are first will be last and the last first. This is exactly what he was doing when he was outworking the principle of not coming for the righteous, but coming for the sinners. And in doing this, Jesus was breaking huge boundaries, cultural boundaries of the time. He was coming against all of the rules um, and the, the jumps, the, the hoops that the Pharisees had put in place that he was asking people to, that they were asking people to jump through. And the thing is, the Pharisees were doing this, their, their rules and their hoops were, were just in pursuit of holiness. Um, so there's essentially nothing wrong with that, but they'd got a little bit lost in what they were seeking and what they were achieving by putting all these rules in place. And the interesting thing is that they had no authority to put a lot of these rules in place. A lot of them were not based on the Torah that they were kind of going on. They'd gone over and above the expectation of what was written in the Torah. Um, it's a little bit like um, a while ago when I was working in bars, I moved from one bar to another, and there's a lot of kind of hierarchy in kind of bars and whether people think one bar's better than the other, and if you're a real bartender or not a good bartender. And I'd moved from a student bar to quite a pretentious cocktail bar, uh, and I'd gone through this process of kind of uh, getting the job there, and they'd, they'd put me in at a certain level, and this bar that I'd worked at, you basically had to work collecting glasses for like a couple of years before you were even graced with the privilege of potentially serving a customer a pint of Carlsberg. Um, but, but they kind of put me straight in on the bar on my first night, and they had this thing called the 12 Steps of Service. Um, and I'd, I'd never come across anything like it before in my life, but apparently there are 12 steps that you need to follow in order to serve someone a pint. Um, and, and I couldn't quite get my head around it, but I remember just thinking to myself, I, I have served pints for years and years and years, and all of a sudden I, I've got these 12 steps to follow, but I was like, it's okay, I can, I can do this. I've, um, I've worked, I've served pints forever and ever, so I, I rock up, first shift, Saturday night, it's really busy, and they put me on the busiest till because they're like, this guy's workplaces before, he'll be fine. And so I'm there, and this guy orders a pint, you know, not even a cocktail. So I'm like, yes, great. I'm in a cocktail bar. I don't have to make any of the cocktails. He's asked for a pint. I can do that. So I'm like going in my head. I'm like, 12 steps. What are all these 12 steps? What do I need to do? I need to put a bevnap down. I need to repeat the order to him. All this kind of stuff. I was like, he's asked for one pint. Or I need to repeat that he's asked for one pint. Anyway, I, I was so caught up in all of these rules that I, that I basically turn and I... I put the pint down and it smashes and it just pours all over him because I was just so caught up in, in the rules. And, and this guy, interestingly, who's now uh, my best man at my wedding, <laughs> just turned to me, who'd been there for years and years, and just went, what an idiot. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, great, I'm so not welcome here. Like, you don't, you don't want me to be part of this, this team that you've got. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were basically using these rules and steps to exclude people, to not invite them in to be part of the journey that they're going on. But we, we do, it's just kind of getting past that and understanding that it's not about the rules, it's about the relationship. And so my question is, 
I wonder what rules society has placed on us today that get us in the way of encountering Jesus. You know, back then, it was pursuit of holiness. Nothing particularly wrong with that, but they'd they'd got it wrong. They'd they'd missed the the picture of what they were trying to achieve. Today, maybe it's individualism. Individualism, it's hard to say, isn't it? Um, Or the on-demand culture that we have to do within now, now, now. Does that stuff that society put on us, those rules that are around us today, that actually have no spiritual or legal authority over our lives, get in the way of us being welcomed in and enter into the presence of Jesus? Um, and, and so what that means for us is that we are welcomed in. You know, Jesus is modeling something here with Levi, but the, the same is, is true for us. We are welcomed in. Meals appear all across the Bible, um, often referred to as kind of wedding banquets and all that kind of stuff, and they, they were a powerful cultural statement of acceptance. It wasn't just kind of hanging out with friends. It was saying, we want to do relationship with you. We love you. We care for you. If you were right, inviting someone around a table to have food with you, it meant that they were totally accepted, and it meant friendship. It was a sign of the kingdom coming and a celebration at that time. Jesus was saying in those mealtimes, the kingdom is here, it is now, and you are welcome, and you have a place at the table, just as we do now. And I actually wonder if there's some people here today that maybe it's, maybe it's your first time here and you need to hear, not only from us as a community of people that you are welcome here, but much more significantly than that, from Jesus, that you are welcome and that you have a place and that there's a home for you here. Um, and, and then the question of, on the flip side of that is, well, one, do we believe that? Do we believe that we're welcomed in? But secondly, do we outwork that to other people? Do we outwork that welcoming nature to everybody that we encounter? The people putting parking tickets on our car, the people calling us about our PPI claims, the people that are just a bit struggled to get along with. Are they really welcome? Or are we sometimes, and I speak to myself as much as anyone else in this, or do we sometimes just create a bit of a holy huddle like the Pharisees, where if you're not quite going to rub alongside us in the way that we want, then you may be not really that welcome. Because Jesus was radically and boldly going against cultural norms and laws of the time. Not only was he saying that everyone is welcome in his presence, but that everyone has significance in his presence. He was saying that everyone has a seat at the table with him. And further to that, Jesus goes on to claim that um, those who are righteous, those that have it all together, Um, don't even need him if that's what they truly believe and if they're able to work that out. He came for the weak and for the broken, the least and the lost. And we see later in scripture that uh, God talks about his power being made perfect in weakness. And that is actually a key step to us understanding our being welcomed into the kingdom. If we can understand our weakness and our brokenness, that's how we can understand that we are just like Levi. We are all broken. But the question is, will we acknowledge that and will we be real with Jesus and be welcomed in? And will we then welcome others in? So Jesus modeled our welcoming in when he called Levi, but he also modeled a second thing, that he was changing the currency. So Levi was at a tax booth. That was what his job was. And his, uh, there was two types of tax collectors. There was one that would sit um, at a port doing, uh, collecting fish, um, and they would do like a bit like an in- income tax on the fish that you collected. And the other one was a little bit like a toll booth. They would sit between two kingdoms, and they would ask for a tax to pass between one kingdom and the other. And it's what, what we believe to understand is that that was what Levi was doing. He was just on the outskirts of um, Caponium, um, in between the kingdom of Herod Philip and Herod Antipas. Um, and he would stand there and take tax from one uh, kingdom to the other as you pass through. And I believe there's something uh, metaphorical that Jesus was outworking here by pulling Levi away from that tax booth and saying, the tax has been paid, you can pass freely between one kingdom and the other. You can pass freely between earth and heaven 
because the tax collector has been removed. There isn't the barrier there anymore. And it's symbolic of Jesus changing the currency from money and power and rules into love and into grace. So, um, Caroline and I are getting married in six days' time. I had to get it in there, didn't I? But there's, there's something that's been really significant in our journey of explaining our wedding and our marriage to our family um, and the significance of what, how it looks different for us in that we aren't living together and we haven't slept together and that, it's, and that we're kind of following these rules, but it's not out of the rule, it's out of the love and out of the honour for each other and out of honour and respect for God. And it's been fascinating having conversations with people because they've gone, we're so excited to come to your wedding where your faith means so much to you that you outwork these values out of love and it's what's important to you. And it's been really significant. And in fact, I was, I'm learning to play golf at the moment because um, my mum really likes it, so I'm just kind of like a bonding thing. Um, and so I had a lesson on Friday and the... The golf pro asked me, he said, oh, are you nervous about uh, your wedding, getting married? And so I was explaining to him, like I've said to lots of people, I said, I'm not nervous about the day, I'm nervous about being married. And he looked at me a bit shocked and surprised, and, and I could see that he didn't quite understand what I meant. And I, so I explained, and I said, well, it's because we don't live together and we've not slept together, so there's a difference. It's going to change significantly. It's not like nothing is going to change, like lots of people who get married. It's just a certificate. It's a, it's a real change of status for us and what that looks like. And he was amazed, and he, he was like, that's so amazing. He, he, he absolutely loved it. And then that led into a conversation about our faith and what that means, and we basically spent an hour not playing golf, but talking about Jesus. But, but it was so cool. It, it was really amazing, and, and it meant so much to him, because he was understanding that we, we operate in a diff, with a different currency. We don't operate under expectations or power or money. We operate under the, the law of love and grace that we follow. But do we... So, yeah, so the, um, the Pharisees believed for this perfect day. They believed that if everybody could uh, follow all of their rules and all of their laws for just one day, then the kingdom would come. We know that that's not true. We know that all we needed was Jesus to come and to remove the tax collector and to make it possible for us to freely enter the kingdom. The question for us is that while we know that in our head, do we believe that and do we outwork that every single day? Because the border between heaven and earth has been removed. Later on in Mark, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death. Before I see the kingdom, God will come with power. What does that mean for us today? It means that we can freely engage with the kingdom and see God's power move in our life. But it's a process that we have to go on on a daily basis. We have to remind ourselves regularly. Um, and in the, in the past few months, God's been doing some huge stuff in my identity. Um, and I've gone on this journey of, of stepping between earth and heaven. So I would have a moment where I'd be like, oh my goodness, I feel really terrible about who I am today. I don't feel accepted today because I step into earth. And then I... I believed for a long period of time that there was this huge struggle that I had to go through in order to cross the divide and step into heaven and believe what God has been saying about me. But the more I've done it, the more I've realized it's this up and down notion that we might, as we engage with the kingdom and we see God's truth, then we, 
we step in and we see breakthrough and we see freedom. But then what we need to do, it's a, it's, I believe it's a necessity that we, we engage with the earth's perspective, with the world's perspective on, on what's going on inside of us and what's, what we need to see God do. As long as we don't stay there and as long as we don't get stuck so we can come out of it and step back into heaven and into God's view. And it, that's where the, the barrier being taken is so helpful for us to understand because we can freely step between the two. Because the tax has been paid the tax collector's been removed. We step between heaven and earth. So we think that we're worthless one second, but then we step into heaven and we believe that we're co-heirs with Christ. We believe that we're sinners and we're not welcome at the table, and then we hear God say that we've got a seat at the table. We believe that we're ugly and that we don't like the way we look, but then we realize that we're made in the image of God. Or you believe in the earth and you see in the earth eyes that you'll never get that job. And then you step into kingdom, you step over the threshold and you believe that God's got a great plan for your life, which, in me, which me includes you being prosperous. Or you believe that you're weak and then you step into heaven and you understand that it's in weakness that I am made strong because it's God's power that can move in my life. So Jesus has welcomed us in and then he's given us full access to heaven. Jesus paid the price at the tax booth so that we can freely walk from heaven into his kingdom every day but it's an intentional journey that we need to make daily, even hourly sometimes. Um, and, and my question to us today is, is any, are any of us stuck on earth? In fact, Tim was praying before we met and he, he got a sense that some people are stuck. Um, and are we stuck in earth believing there's this tax collector stopping us from taking the step from heaven, from earth into the kingdom? Are we stuck on something? Is there something that we need to see heaven break out in? And next we see that Jesus poured new wine. So being welcomed in and understanding that the kingdom is here allows for a new way of thinking. Just going to read from verse 13 again. Sorry, not verse 13, it's the wrong passage. Uh, 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. If he does, a new piece, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. So there's a new order. As we see this tension between the flesh and the spirit, the old versus the new, and the world versus the gospel, there's a new way of thinking. And that's what's represented in the new wine from Jesus. And so wineskins, the way that they, they would work is that they would pour wine into a new wineskin and then the wine would still continue um, to ferment and develop. Caroline could tell you a lot more about that than I could. Um, but what happens is the wine expands and the, and the wineskin would stretch. And if you put new wine into an old wineskin that has already stretched, then the wine would still continue to um, expand and then it would burst and it would pour out. So what Jesus is talking about here is, is preaching against the, mix, the mixing of beliefs. He's saying that we must completely replace the old human way of life with a new godly way of life because God's new way is righteous and spiritually strong. It cannot be combined with the old, weak way of human life. They are incompatible. They cannot work together. So my question is, that are we walking in the new or are we walking in the old? 
How do we walk in the new? What, what does that look like? Well, we need to be ready for the new wine, which means being ready for a new wineskin. We need to be seeking God's way over our own way. It means shedding the old sometimes. Um, it means certainly surrendering to his way and his plans. Um, but it takes crushing and pressing and stretching in order for the wine to be made. And the challenge in that, in the crushing and the pressing and stretching, is that you can't walk away from it when it gets difficult, which is our natural instinct to do so. Because taking ground, when, when we're stepping into the new, we're taking spiritual ground. And when we, when we step into new spiritual ground, we should expect opposition. Jesus and Levi came against huge amounts of opposition for hanging out together because they were claiming spiritual ground. They were saying the kingdom is here. There is something new. There's a new order. And the Pharisees didn't like it, and so they wanted to come against it. Again, not to uh, go on the harp of getting married too much, but... Um, <laughs> Carl and I have obviously been engaged, and we've learned so much in our engagement. We've been engaged for about a year, so it's been a, a, lo- a long journey for us. And, um, and actually, we've seen God crush and press us in that time, because he's preparing us for a new thing. As we step into marriage, there's a, there's a new order that he's bringing to our lives. And if we'd, if we'd ignored anything that he was wanting to do in us until we get to that point, then I don't believe we would have been ready for it. And actually, God's been doing some hugely deep stuff that's been painful and difficult as we've engaged with our brokenness and been honest with each other and been trying to seek what, what God wants, but understanding that what that means is that we need to surrender things that feel a bit uncomfortable and difficult. But as we've done that, as we've, as we've pushed in through the tears and the pain and the arguments um, and said, God, what are you doing? What do you want to strip away? Let me put my brokenness on the table so that you can take it away and give me the new wineskin so that you can pour your new wine. We've seen our relationship grow to be so much stronger than it was a year ago in a place where we're hopefully ready, uh, as ready as we can be in six days' time, to to get married and and see the new thing, to see the new um, outpouring. And and I believe that, um, that as a church we're in that season too. We're in a season of seeking the new thing. We're seeking the new wine. Our mission is the same as it always has been, to make committed followers of Jesus who change communities and nations for him. But the how and the where and the outworking is is something new. God's doing something new. There's been a whole heap of prophetic um, pictures spoken over us about new things, about renovation, um, pictures of boats being in the dock while they're being renovated and changed. Um, The verse around... um, where, where God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Well, actually, what, what we miss a lot of the time in that verse where it says, see, I'm doing a new thing, is the verse before, which says, forget the former things. Because you can't see the new thing if you don't forget the former thing first. And so, are we ready to see the new thing? And that's true not just in our church life in terms of what, what, what are we going to look like as a family in the future? Are we ready to see something new that's going to look different and different doesn't mean not, not, not the same or not good. It means it could, it, you know, we could be bigger or we could be smaller, but we know we're going to be better, but we just know it's going to look different. Because if, if we're seeking God on a daily basis in our lives and we're seeking to understand that we've been welcomed in and that he's changed the currency so that we have free access to heaven, then we should see regular transformation in our lives. We should see God transforming us from the inside out on a daily basis, in the small and in the big. 
And that's what seeking the new wine and seeking the new thing is all about. So what is God doing in your life at the moment? Or what are you seeking God to do? More to the point, it might be that actually there's something that you want to see God doing, but you're not seeing it yet. Well, what is the old that needs to be shed so that you can see God do something new? Jesus welcomed in, he accepted us, and then he changed the currency of entering heaven and seeking his kingdom. But he didn't do it for no reason. He did it so that we could continually be transformed, so that we would receive his new wine poured into us. And if we really believe that we're accepted and that we have a right to walk in his kingdom, we should be seeing that change. We should be stepping out and seeing God do big things in our lives, in the crushing and in the stretching, but followed by a fresh outpouring of something new. I've kind of gone a little bit fast, which um, I don't think matters because it means there's now plenty of space for God to come and do something and come and pour his new wine. Um, so I'm going to ask the band to come and we're, gonna, we're just going to wait on God. So why don't we stand and uh, I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the perfect picture of acceptance. Thank you that we can come into your presence exactly as we are, knowing that we are welcomed in, that we are significant, that there is a place for us, that not only is there a place, but that you actually say, you can, you can host me. You're, you're so accepted that you can host me. Thank you that you broke the divide, that you took away the tax collector so that we can freely access heaven, that we can step in easily and freely and see your kingdom at working in our lives. And we want to say now that that's, that's what we're seeking, that's what we want. We want to see your power come and manifest in our lives, come and do something new in us, come and pour your fresh spirit into our minds and our souls and our bodies. got a few prayerful reflections on, on some specific groups of people that I think God might want to call to, to do business with, but I'm just going to give a moment for you to just engage with God yourself and just say, God, what's my response to this? Where are you, where are you challenging me? Where are you stretching me? So I believe there's some people here that need a fresh outpouring 
of an understanding of God's acceptance of you. You believe that you're Levi, and to an extent that's true, but it doesn't change that you're accepted and that you're welcomed and that you have a place. And so if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to come and make a step into being welcomed in, to come to the front to be welcomed by Jesus. So feel free to just start coming forward now. And I felt like there was another group of people that, as, as I was explaining about that tension between stepping between heaven and the earth in our understanding of engaging with the pain of the reality, but then seeking the kingdom and seeking God's will, there's, there's sometimes, you know, the, the, the enemies um, often wants to put a spirit of confusion in us. I think that's one of his biggest tactics, to make us feel confused. Um, and I think particularly when we're trying to discern what's earth, what's flesh, and what's spirit, and what's kingdom, that's where we, he tries to attack us the most. And I think there's some people here that are trying to grapple with some earthly pain and seek God's perspective, and you feel confused. And God's going to come and break that this morning, and he's going to speak truth into your situation. And so if that's you, I also want to invite you to come forward and we're going to pray with you. And then there's some people who you're you're desperate to see God do something in your life. There's something that you're struggling in. There's something that you need breakthrough in, whether it's a job or a relationship or a mindset change. There's something that you've been praying desperately, God, do something new. Let me, I want to believe that your power is real and that it's working, but I want to see it outworked. And that's the new wine that you're asking for. And so maybe in a safe place, in a place surrounded by people that love you, you want to come forward and make a stand and say, I'm ready to surrender anything that might be getting in the way of you pouring in your new wine. And maybe God will come and speak to you and show you what that is. And if that's you, just come forward now because God's going to meet you powerfully. If we could have some people to come and pray, that would be really good.